Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. Helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who, unlike the NCAA, knows there's no getting the genie back in the bottle, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, I love genie in a bottle. One of my top 2000s female teenage girl pop hits i would say uh top 15 at least uh no yeah. uh gerald uh, i mean what what was the more ridiculous uh tweet of of the week weekend um the ncaa's new nil uh by god by golly we're 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 gonna you know keep this thing we're, we're gonna get ra- wrangled on this thing um intentionally sounding as feeble as possible <laughs> flop sweat and all or uh the the gobbling up of retweets of the osip josai uh saga because that that was gorgeous i was gonna start with a my 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 podcast uh host uh errol judridge but you you're double g <laughs> so it doesn't really work you have to go a couple letters in but i, I don't know beautiful beautiful social media all the way around will like absolutely set the world on fire got a uh, shout out on the uh, national andy staples podcast on friday there you uh, go which was just absolutely incredible if you don't know i uh, just go back our twitter feed it really hijacked my productivity for like a day and a half just keeping track of all of the national radio hosts and writers that couldn't be bothered i screen recorded myself googling it and almost tweeted out how quickly i was able to do that uh, spoiler alert, that video is seven seconds long. Uh, but we're not here to talk about other podcasts and hosts not being uh, good at their jobs. We're here to talk about people that are actually good at their jobs, uh, D1 athletes. So uh, Texas went into Morgantown hoping to improve its postseason standing, came out with a solid win, that a doubleheader sweep on Saturday that moved them up in the RPI standards. A lot of uh, championship-level things happening this weekend. The women are in the NCAA tournament, and the men both on the tennis court softball, winning a solid weekend series to position themselves well for the postseason. Golf 
teed off in the opening round of the NCAA tournaments. And then we'll obviously close the show out with some bang the drum. So it had been a rough run for the baseball team. They run ruled HBU, which was nice. That looked dicey early on, but they run ruled mm. HBU. Husky, Huskies don't last in the heat, Gerald. They don't. They don't. It didn't take them very long to uh, peter out. But they went to West Virginia, Morgantown, where they have a pretty dicey record for the tenure of the Mountaineers in the Big 12 and managed to double their total wins in Morgantown in one afternoon, sweeping the Saturday doubleheader 5-2 to two and then 11 nothing in seven innings. Could not hold on to the Sunday, uh, Sunday lead to get the series sweep and fell eight to six in that one but Kyle the the story continues to be uh, Texas has two pitchers they definitely have a Friday starter they definitely now have a Saturday starter in Lucas Gordon uh, but that Sunday starter slash relief rotation wasn't necessarily all it needed to be yeah it's interesting um first of all you're right they were two and seven uh, up to this point in morgantown and and you know so to get a series win was something uh they finished they got a lot of home games left so this was this was their last road test starting pitching was was great on saturday in both games right that that was that was the secret. How do you win games? You just don't go to your bullpen. Both pitchers, uh, save for one out, there was no relief. Uh, ironically, that one out uh, gained in the first game was Tristan uh, Slevens coming in. That's right, Slevens. But I mean, to workshop that nickname. That nice. uh, I like it. Thank you. Uh, coming in to get one out, which everyone kind of wondered, does that mean he's not going to start the second game? And sure enough, Lucas Gordon started uh, technically a Saturday start, technically a game two start. We'll see how that translates to what happens in the postseason but it looks like texas trust two arms to start and they're kind of trying out tristan stevens a little bit in in uh, relief role so it's interesting right i mean night and day difference when your pitcher goes 90 percent of the game uh before you have to hand the ball off to anyone else texas seems to to win those games the sunday game gerald they kind of you know, they, they let zane morehouse who, who had some success out of the bullpen and and uh, even some tuesday games get a crack at the sunday game he went two innings and and then tristan stevens came in kind of again in relief i don't know if pierce uh, and sean allen see something there uh with him coming in is not the first arm a, a team sees but not particularly great. He picked up the loss in that one, gave up three three uh, home runs in three innings. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you could argue a little bit more run production, you know, not leaving runners in scoring position. They could have walked out with a sweep. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's who are the pitchers outside of, again, what we didn't necessarily expect when we named our, our, our three guaranteed arms. Now it's Lucas Gordon who threw an absolute gem, a complete game, uh, on the second game of Saturday, it was one over the minimum. He had a double play. He gave up uh, two hits, but had a double play to take care of one of those. Um, so one over the minimum batter's face through seven when they run-ruled him. So it only went seven. Um, but just just an absolute gem. He was the pitcher of the weekend. Pete Hansen was, was very good in his as well. But, uh, I mean, you love to see that from Gordon. It gives you some confidence. But, man, I, I would feel much better if it even if we didn't have 15 arms like we thought we might if we had four or five i would feel great uh about postseason but really at this point i feel two and then i hold my breath you shouldn't lose a game in which you score six runs like six, like this isn't as egregious as like losing a game in which you score 13 runs but giving your your pitching six runs of support should be okay especially when that is a lead right 
Like they had a lead in the fifth inning and they blew it. Like that, like that is the story of the season going into the season. We were anticipating this being potentially a historic Texas team. Like this could be a dog pile in Omaha team. This could be the juggernaut. This could be, you know, Terminator walking down the, the hallway and just being bulletproof. Like that's what we thought this team could be. And they've lost six big 12 games holding a lead in the latter half of the game, which is just absolutely inexcusable. They've lost back-to-back Sundays as well, which, again, that has been, uh, the mantra has always been, at least for part of the, for the you know, conference season, you know, don't lose on Sundays, and that has fallen apart. Granted, uh, they at least came away with a series win in this one instead of getting swept like they did last week. So that's an improvement, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to go back to your stat, Gerald, because I think that that is the stat of the, the season, but at least the weekend, this was their sixth, loss like you said when leading after five just in conference that's just in conference games they had two of those all season uh last year conference postseason early season i mean it it, it is a little bit alarming and when we had the titanic uh, pun intended expectations um uh, of this season uh, a lot of it was because they were the the leading era uh team last year you you knew you were going to have a a roster full of arms you had sean allen this you know legendary coach who was who's interviewed for a lot of head coaching jobs last year's assistant of the year mainly because again texas top to bottom was so good uh with their arms and you knew the bats were going to be good if not great and they turned out to be legendary and it's just disappointing but if you zoom out obviously they're 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 first in most hitting categories in the big 12 they're leading in home runs runs scored batting average they're, they're also second in ERA in the conference and their first in defense. So, I mean, it's it, everything is there for the reasons why we thought this team was going to be good. It just, for instance, in that Sunday game, they left 10 runners on base, right? It's, it's a matter of being able to get the pitching at the same time that you get the hitting, you know, five runs was enough for Pete Hansen because he threw a gem in game one, you know, six runs was not enough when they got to two different pitchers in the game, right? It's almost like Pierce is at this point throwing, four or five different guys who aren't the starter out there once they get into relief just to see if someone has it that day. And that's that's got to be a frustrating thing as a coach when you don't have that go-to when, when even Nixon, the guy who you've been able to depend on, can't be there. Steven's a guy who's, you know, been around the program for a long time, is, is seeing his most fluctuation. It's just, it's a, it's a little bit, I mean, again, it's got to be frustrating for Pierce when you're, you're setting hitting records all over the place and, and you know, you're still sitting at, third in the conference you know if, if everything rolls your way so it, it is tough but but to, just not to be an incredible debbie downer right we're talking about a, a, a if we just win series in conference you're in a good spot um but they they did that uh with good hitting right i think in the first two games they they capitalized they struck out 17 times in game one but they still won because they were timely and they hit home runs in game two everybody hit so they just everybody gonna eat but uh yeah i mean i think the bats for the first two games and honestly you could argue for the third game as well if they could have converted a couple more of those guys they got in a scoring position could have been even better but honestly they hit well all series and I think that's the frustrating thing. I, I put out a tweet, I think it was last week, of some data from from Stats of War. He's been doing some baseball graphs. And, like, Texas, statistically, when you look at you know efficiency statistics, is one of, if not the, it's like them and Oklahoma State, are the two most efficient teams 
in the conference. Like, and mm. Tennessee is head and shoulders above everybody. Like, they he had to shrink the graph to get Tennessee to fit with everybody else on the scatter plot. But it's wild to me that like the pieces are there. I've never, I don't know if I've ever seen a team at least on the baseball field, probably the, the Texas football field on several occasions where like the whole is worse than the sum of the parts. Like mm. you look at all of the individual pieces and it's all there. The hitting, obviously we know the bats are there, the pitching, they've got some arms. There's some control issues we know, but like there's been some bad fortune and I say bad fortune, meaning they played in that tiny stadium in Lubbock, right? You <laughs> lose a starter in the first essential first real week of the season uh early on so like that that all that bad luck but still we sound like we're debbie downers texas won the weekend series they've got an opportunity to win a couple of games in the in the big 12 tournament potentially um improve their seating and improve their chances but i think it's just wild to me that we're going to close this out by talking about how texas uh, can improve their seating and their standing when we expected them to be an omaha team three months ago and and that's not to say they they still can't be but it's going to have to break right with matchups they're going to have to be able to, to get things together on the right night and and maximize their opportunities one thing that that really showed out to me this weekend well i'll give two, two quick things one look where texas is and look where mississippi state is the the you know two of the best teams last year and and two of the early favorites mississippi state lost their best pitcher uh, and they are, I think, outside of the top 100 now in RPI, likely to not make any kind of postseason. Um, it has a huge impact when you lose, you know, a star pitcher. So to not try to justify anything, but you know, the data points are out there. And the other is, is uh, this weekend I saw defense. I saw incredible defense from this team, and that might be a recipe. Texas, you know, hitting is going to be good and, and, and it's hard to just be a hitting team because if you have a bad day, uh, you know, it's like being a three-point shooting team in basketball, right? If the, if the pitching isn't there, it's hard to win in the postseason. But defense might be the thing that ends up differentiating this team. And if they're able to, to, to cobble together a run, it might be because of that. You saw a lot of it, and especially in that that first uh, Pete Hansen game. Uh, Dylan Campbell had an incredible um, over-the-shoulder catch that he whipped around in turn, got a double play. Messenger uh, had a had a great one. Uh, Faltini had an incredible one. Uh, I think Ivan Melendez is looking good at first base, looks athletic out there. I mean, they, they just look good all around. I think Silas threw a couple guys out this weekend. You know, it, defense might be the thing that ultimately can, can you know, un- unlock an extra win, right? If we're talking about why the sum isn't greater than the parts, maybe defense is, is the stuff that doesn't show up as much on the page that, that – reverses that trend if, if we are to get anything going so I'll, I'll just leave a little bit of a kernel of hope at the end of this is that texas has been one of the best defensive teams this year they've made some truly uh outstanding plays and if they can just get the other two going at least pretty well i think their defense can be the thing that differentiates them from opponents the season's not over the regular season's not over texas has midweek games against texas southern and sam houston which hopefully those should be wins and if texas can come away with a sweep of kansas this weekend and win a couple of games in the Big 12 tournament, they can get themselves right back into the conversation of good seeding and, and not having to be on the road for the entirety of the postseason. Uh, that's a big if, but again, Texas could potentially uh, win themselves back into a enviable position, not as enviable as we thought it once was going to be, but a pretty solid position uh, heading into the postseason. So now's the part of the show where we whip around and we talk about all the teams that are winning and are already in the postseason, and we down the 40. Uh, we'll start on the hard surface. Shout out to our friend Rick uh, at Deep Rickings on Twitter for being there this week. And number three, women's tennis hosted the NCAA Austin Regional. 
So on Friday, they swept Ball State for love, and they uh, also put the boots to number 18 Michigan for love. A big weekend for the ladies uh, as they kind of start their hopeful uh, title defense. Sweeps are wonderful, and uh, of course, in this one, ball don't lie. Um, <laughs> sorry, anytime you get a ball state joke, you know, you take it. Uh, but no, Michigan was one of the hotter teams uh, in the country. They had won 10 straight. They had swept um, a really good Ohio State team in the Big uh, the Big Ten tournament. So I was a little bit curious about that draw. If you know it was going to be a tough one, but again, they're I think 18 right now is their ranking. But they Texas swept both, uh, and I, I think you saw a really good weekend from. Everyone, you know, Peyton Stearns is going to be great, but you saw some of the two, three, four, uh, five court action um, really kind of shine in this one. Uh, Sabina Zanilova, Charlotte Shavadapan, uh, Alora. I mean, you you had uh, you had multiple of these uh, players who who aren't just your kind of all American anchor really stepping up and just playing postseason tennis. I mean, re- really good stuff. Coach Jaffe was was praising uh, how deep the team and how talented. Basically, you, you saw the talent level uh, in his press conference uh, talking about how good they are top to bottom this year and, and they're healthy at the right time. And so, you know, team looks good. Peak at the right time, he can make a run again. They're the number three team in the country, so they've got an opportunity. Uh, next up for them, they'll stay home uh, in Austin to take on number 14 Auburn for a berth in the quarterfinals where they'll have to travel to Champaign. Auburn is coming off of a sweep of Jackson State before having to go the distance against number 33 Georgia Tech. On the men's side, they were also in Austin. They swept Idaho for love and then uh, took out LSU for love. Back-to-back sweeps for them. Again, a big weekend for the men as they try to at least claw back to the top of the rankings. They maybe want to end with a one next to their uh, their name. Yeah, the uh, the doubles point in the men's side was about the only tight thing all weekend. Uh LSU number 34, but a, a good team. Um, that one was tight, but they ended up getting that sweep, I think, pretty much top to bottom, men's and women's across the weekend was was pretty decidedly Texas. And again, it's great because uh, also taking on Michigan, a really good Michigan uh, team, number five for the men, that they have a, a huge challenge. If they get this one, it will it will be an upset, though. Again, this Texas team uh, is talented. They, they have talked at length about injuries for the men's team as well. I mean, it, just to have their top five guys right now playing is 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 uh is a challenge right there there's people battling stuff so they're kind of in the opposite spot but i i think it was a really reassuring weekend to see both teams basically get into the sweet 16 without dropping a set um that really sets the tone while you're at home the women of course stay at home the men have to uh, leave that home court advantage behind uh, but I, I as good a start as you could have had from both programs it might be nicer for them this weekend. They may have a <laughs> fewer endurance issue. Sixty-one in uh, Ann Arbor this week. I don't so. think the 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 three a.m. in Texas was sixty-one <laughs> last weekend. I think it was already eighty-five. Uh, man, it was hot. So it could it could work out well for them. Number seventeen softball took a two-one series win over the Baylor Bears to close out the regular season. Story of the weekend: pitcher Haley Dolcini just doing what she does, pitching two gems and. Uh, getting Texas essentially a series win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Dulcini finished out her, her Longhorn career, basically her Longhorn season. Strong. The two games she pitched, 
the team looked great. We don't necessarily have to talk about the other one. Um, it happened, but that's not what's important. Um, they won the first and the third of the games, um, and they had a shutout on Sunday in their last game of the season. Uh, Haley Dolcini going in and throwing seven innings, only giving up three hits and slamming the door on the season. And then also Janae Jefferson finished the season still on a streak. She extended her career best uh, base reached streak to 20 games so um a a newcomer in Haley Dolcini and it seems like she's been here forever and the records would would equate it uh Janae Jefferson both going out on on top with the regular season obviously a lot of a lot of softball still to come good finish for the for the horns next up for them on Thursday so when you're listening to our midweek show they'll be taking on Texas Tech Texas Tech coming in as a six seed Texas the three seed in that one the NCAA tournaments in Stillwater, which, you know, the whole softball postseason is in Oklahoma, which sucks, but you know what? It's the, fine. It's, it's historic. It's like playing basketball in Kansas. You got to play softball in, in Oklahoma. It, it's what it is at least football in Texas, but that doesn't necessarily help us. That doesn't, that hasn't <laughs> at least for, uh, as it exists right now, but uh, ladies can make a big run in the NCAA tournament solidly in third place, and hopefully they can continue and make a deep run. Number 13, women's golf teed up in the NCAA regionals on Monday as we're recording after the opening round, currently sitting second place at one under three strokes behind number two, Oregon, Te- three Texas golfers in the top 20 individual performers. Yeah, including Bentley Cotton, uh, the the Westlake product, who carded a four under sixty eight to lead the Longhorns. She's tied for second place. I believe one of the Oregon golfers is like seven under. So that Oregon team's really good. But the nice thing about this is the top four will continue on to the NCAA championship. So Texas is in a really good spot after one round. Uh, number two, Oregon. Number twelve, Florida. Number twenty three, Arizona. In addition to uh, a host of other teams, but uh, it looks like Texas is. Kind of where they should be. You just just got to get through, right, these regionals. If you win them, great. Uh, if you're second place, that's good, too. Uh, just kind of get through, get to the, the big one, and then let the chips fall where they may. But this this is actually a little bit of kind of a home court uh, home course advantage. Uh, Coach Ryan Murphy um, spends, you know, as much time in, in Albuquerque as anyone not uh, on the Breaking Bad <laughs> or Better Call Saul production team. Um, but uh, he, he is uh, from New Mexico, played his college golf in Albuquerque at UNM under men's coach John Field was really, really good there. I think took him to the fifth place national, their highest ever uh, finish in the NCAA tournament when he was there. Um, but he then went on to coach for a few years there, so gave his insights to the players, kind of give them a little insight about how the ball carries at altitude and some things to watch about their putting up there. So I think it, it shakes out well that with him and with the way Cotton's playing and, and Bo Park has been playing and, and uh, Sarah Kuskova and a couple of those players, I think we have, uh, there's a good chance that this should continue. Uh, this will come out on Tuesday, so round two will be underway when you're listening to this. Finish top four and you get one more. We'll keep track of this throughout Ooh, nice the week. I appreciate it. But now's the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions in all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, I'm going to take it back to baseball, and uh, I didn't feel I left it on a an optimistic enough note. So, there's a point that we have to start talking about Ivan Melendez's season, not from a while well, the guy's good at baseball, but from a the best seasons we've seen at Texas from various players. That might be a topic for a Thursday show, and we can look at 
the players who've won National Player of the Year awards because that's that's basically what the large gentleman from El Paso is is doing right now. He uh, he picked up his Big Twelve Player of the Week. Uh, for a record-tying fourth time uh, this season. Uh, only one player had ever won it four in, in the same year, and only one player had ever won five in his career, which Melendez also did. Um, so he has tied records for each of those, um, and there may have been weeks that he got gypped that he should have got more. Um, but, uh, you know, just he, he has been so good and so consistent that I, I wanted to put it a little bit um, into perspective. So obviously this last week, he, he was great. He hit 571 with three home runs, nine RBIs, and extended his hitting streak to a conference high 16 games. That's right. He's on a 16-game hitting streak. Um, Gerald, I, I know we don't usually do trivia here in the bang the drum, but do you know how many games uh, this this year Ivan Melendez has failed to reach base? One. That's correct. He has four Player of the Week awards and one game in which he didn't reach base um the the thing with him is that we're going to talk about his hitting but there's some other things we have to talk about just to, to zoom out a little bit this season he's fifth in the country in batting average batting 423 like big hitters power hitters don't hit for that kind of average that's absurd his ops is first his home runs is first rbis he's currently uh second right so so he has 75 rbis 25 home runs his, his ops is almost 1.5 which is unreal uh and he's batting over 420 like just stupid stupid things um we've we've been saying for a couple weeks that kyle russell's single season home run record was in in plays three away from it but brian cesaric also is only point uh six 0.6 points away from the all-time batting average mark at texas he hit 429 back in 1987 like Again, a guy who hits that many home runs should not physically be able to hit at that high of a clip, but he's doing something that we really haven't seen. And, and, and again, to put it in perspective, so in 2011, uh, 2003, baseball really or college baseball really started kind of regulating bats. And in 2011, we entered basically what's the the BBCOR, the BB Core era, which effectively is the the baseball coefficient ratio. They they effectively have, have legislated the type of bats you can use, right? So since that era, since 2011 to present, the only player to break 30 home runs is Chris Bryant. Probably heard of him if you're a Major League Baseball fan. Um, and he hit 30, right? Uh, or 31, I think. Um, and so there is a world where Melendez keeps up this rate, gets some more games, and, and gets... 30 home runs, right? He's the second player to ever do that, but also does it while hitting over 400. You could argue that that is the single greatest offensive season in this kind of regular bat era, right? It's not dead bat. These still are aluminum, but it is the regulated bat era. This is the greatest offensive season that we're witnessing. And, and obviously we all are seeing it, but I don't know when you look at kind of mock draft projections if this is being appreciated for for what it is i think if he does go on to win the golden spikes award that that obviously will help but i mean it the other couple things i wanted to point out is you know he came back with the with the goal of of increasing his draft stock and i think he's un, undoubtedly do, done that but it wasn't just hitting we knew he was a good hitter the question was you know can he can he have a better you know, walk ratio. He's already surpassed his walks this year from last year. His, um, you know, on base percentage. He's, I think, like eleventh in the country in walks as well. Like he, he, he's every time he swings the bat, he's doing great things. But he's also smart about when he swings the bat. And then, you know, the other thing is, is 
he has to play a position. He's not just a DH. So he's gone to first. He currently has a 998 fielding percentage, one error on the year. He's made diving stops. His length has allowed him to get some guys out because he really can stretch at first. He looks like a really good first baseman. Like, take the burn orange glasses off. Legitimately looks like a great first baseman. So I, I just want to, again pause let us marinate whatever happens with our pitching whatever you know happens in this postseason we're witnessing an all-time great just texas longhorn season uh from a player in ivan melendez it, it is truly one of those legendary performances that i hope we're all soaking up and appreciating it's wild to me that like we almost said it jokingly that ivan melendez was, was going to come back and try to make money as a positional player like we knew it was going to happen we knew it was going to happen but we didn't know it would be this good. I think that's the the biggest shocker for me. Is like we knew he was good, but we did not know it was going to be this good. And the guy has legitimately probably played himself into, you know, at least another zero on the end of his check, <laughs> and potentially uh, a a, sig- a significant jump in his draft stock, which is just great to see. So there are a lot of options to to bang the drum this week. I could bang the drum on the NCAA trying to get the toothpaste back in the tube because they chose not to regulate anything but we talked about the NCAA a lot we could talk about Chris Paul and the fact that people on the internet don't think that like celebrities and their families are real people and deserve to be treated with real respect like if you're people like it was a kid it was a kid if you're a teenager and you haven't learned to keep your hands from yourself the world's going to teach you that at some point and so you know what it is what it is uh but I'm banging the drum this week on the actual intent of NIL and so we have seen a lot of people sniping and, and chipping back and forth about the pay for play stuff. And this 1% of um, players, these top tier guys, you see the uh, you see the Jordan Addison's that's going to end up with, you know, a, a several million dollar deal. We know what, what was probably going back and forth uh, behind the scenes with Quinn Ewers. And those are uh, the exception rather than the rule. And, and, when we talk about NIL, people people are dumping it all in this one category. And then we see Bijan Robinson, who's kind of living the NIL ideal. Where if you missed it over uh, the end of last week, Bijan Robinson, who we had seen uh, Instagram posts of him uh, driving around in a Lambo, and we assumed something was going on behind that. But come to find out, Bijan Robinson had officially, officially signed an NIL deal with Lamborghini Austin. And so Bijan riding around in not daddy's Lambo, but a Lambo that's been loaned to him by a local Lamborghini dealer, I'm assuming, uh, loaned that he will probably have to give that back at some point. Uh, but it's crazy to me to think that in a, in a world where you've got everything from athletes being able to finally monetize their YouTube accounts without being worried about their status as amateurs or being able to make money streaming video games on Twitch or or like it sucks to talk about, but the kid who won the game-winning touchdown from Kansas signing this little chip and dip deal with the local Applebee's. Like that stuff also exists, but the headlines are being grabbed by the five guys that are potentially getting big deals out of this thing. And so as we think about, and as we really like think about NIL, this benefits the guys like CM Woladab, who's now able to, you can do it right online, sign up for tennis lessons with him where he wouldn't have been able to do that before. It wouldn't have been an option for him. He's, he's able to, to, make money off of that and not worry that the NCAA is going to come knocking down his door because he's selling his abilities as a tennis player uh, and they think it's amateurism. And the NCAA, whole nother conversation. But what I'm, what I'm getting to is 
with NIL, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Because yes, there are some things happening in pay for play, but that is the exception rather than the rule. And we really have to be aware of that. I like seeing Peyton Stearns after a, a, a tough tennis tournament turn around and, and pitch liquid IV for, for regenerating because that stuff actually does work also for hangovers. Um, not that she would know, but <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, you know, like I love it. You're right. I think there is a, an upside. I think there is a silver lining. I think we probably should treat, as I said before, the cases that we're seeing that we're scoffing at, the really wild ones, those were happening before. Like that's the secret, guys. That has never not happened. The fact that it's now reached a, a middle class of college athlete, right? And and not to disparage anyone, but obviously we're talking about the super duper stars and, and now that those players in in various sports and even again that other sports beyond football and, and basketball and the largest revenue generating sports are able to see this as well. I think it's awesome. Like nothing changed with those really big ones. It's just out in the open now, which come on, honestly, that's probably better. Like even though that's slimy and gross, that's probably better too that at least it's in the open. Gold transams have been a thing since the eighties. That's all I'll <laughs> say about that. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can we get folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you for tuning in again this week. We'll be back on Thursday, but until then, hook them. Hook them. Latino Bambino is better than Hispanic Titanic.